these are difficult times. Young people, you are facing challenges and difficulties that no other generation has ever had to face. All of us, not just young people, we're all facing uncharted territory. And this is the pits. Kids and teens, are you familiar with that phrase? Um, It means that this is really crummy. It means that this is the worst possible situation. As in like being sick on your birthday and you can't get out of bed. Oh man, that's the pits. Or man, this job is the pits. Or, you know, that's how it's used. And I tried to track down the origin of this um, phrase and I couldn't find the origin. Um, it might be a reference to any number of things. The pits could be a reference to a uh, concealed danger, like a literal pit, a hidden trap in the ground. Um, and it could be, oh, hey, it, that's a pit. You know, this is a pit. Um, maybe this originated in Pennsylvania because um, some people think that it refers to the coal pits. Um, others think that this refers to where cars are serviced before a race uh, to the pits. Um, maybe it refers to armpits. Maybe this phrase originated in Boston. Maybe it's like, hey, it's not the car that stinks. It's your arm. It's your arm pits. And they're, <laughs> they're horrible. I don't know. Maybe uh, this saying originated in Italy. Referencing the biting into an olive pit, the stone in the center of the olive, or in the south, biting it into the stone of a peach. Bonacera is the pits. You gotta stop when you get past the olive. I don't know. Um, forgive me for the, the horrible Godfather reference, but I saw it recently and, and I had to go there. I don't know where it originated, but this much we do know. Pits happen. Pit happens. It happens. I'm very proud to be a Christian. I'm very proud and want everyone to know that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. So as a follower of Jesus, what's my response to difficulties? Listen to what God said to Joshua when Joshua was faced with the task of leading without his mentor. This is after Moses had died. And and Josh was struggling. And this is what the Lord said to Joshua in Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. Dismayed means stressed out. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. God asked Joshua, have I not commanded you? See, this isn't just a suggestion. God has commanded us. It's funny that that God would remind him, have I I not commanded you? Because six sentences earlier, He started making that declaration. Be courageous. Be strong. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be stressed out. I am with you and I am with you all the time. I am next to you 
And you, you're not alone. Look who you're with. You're with me. Three times in six sentences, God makes this point. Church, he wasn't just talking to Joshua. That, that, that word, that commandment is for every one of us. Be strong. Be courageous. You're with me. I'm with you. Do you have triggers? Do you have things that just set you off? Do you know that Jesus had triggers? We see it in scripture. Jesus was human. He was a man who came to this earth as a man and he had emotions and he had feelings and he had triggers. And the Bible tells us this. It says, be angry and sin not. So the difference between our response to our triggers and Jesus's response to his triggers are that he, he doesn't sin when he gets angry. And us, when we get angry or we get sad or we get depressed, a lot of times those emotions overcome us and we respond in a way that's, that leads to sin because we respond in fear and in doubt. You want to know what triggers God? You want to know what triggers Jesus, God the Son, what triggers God the Father? We see it in Scripture. And this is what triggers God. Being afraid of something when we have Jesus standing right next to us. It triggers him. It, it boggles his mind. We, we see it on the boat when Jesus was resting and there was a storm taking place and the disciples were panicking. They were afraid and they literally thought they were going to die. And Jesus gets up and before he rebukes the storm, the wind and the waves and the seas, he's shaking his head going, do you not know I'm with you? And then after there's been peace brought to the entire storm, instant peace. It didn't just take a while to subside, instantly still, instant peace. Jesus says, where's your faith? Did you, did you honestly think you were going to die out here with me right next to you? It's a trigger. It, it upsets him. Look at, look at the children of Israel. God freed them from bondage. He freed an entire nation through miraculous signs to the point where the, the, the Pharaoh, he, he relented it. The Pharaoh of Egypt said, get out of here. No more. Enough. Take these rotten people and get out of here. And, and what's the, the creme de la creme? What's the final sign that, that this exodus out of Egypt is culminated with? God parts the Red Sea. Waters part. Walls of water and they all cross through the Red Sea. They all crossed to the other side. They all crossed over and 12 men were sent out on a mission as scouts. This is right on the heel, the heels of these miracles and 12 men are sent out to scout out this land that was promised to them. And after 40 days, they come back and there's two guys that are like, awesome, it is awesome. You should see the grapes, milk, honey. It's awesome. Incredible, beautiful. But you got 10 guys who said, yeah, but cities, there's cities there. There's, there's people there that they're, they're pretty bad to the bone. They're pretty tough. They're, they're pretty strong and they're pretty big. 
uh, we can't do it. Joshua and Caleb are saying, no, 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 no. No, we can take it. We can do it. Ten others going, ah, we can't do it. The people, the people get so swayed, they follow the crowd, they follow the ten. And you've got gods and they're going, really? Really? I, I just parted a, a sea for you. You just crossed over on dry land. I just brought you out of chains. I just showed you the miraculous. I spared your life. You're no longer in bondage. And it's, it's these people in the land that I promised you that are big. It's these cities and these peoples that are big. What about me? Friends, that's a trigger to God. I, I understand being nervous and being fearful. I, I know that they're emotions. But see, God gave us dominion over our emotions. And here's our first response in the midst of fear, in the midst of doubt, in the midst of stress, in the midst of being dismayed, is to look at who's beside us. To remember the promises of God where he says, I will never leave you, ever. You will never be alone. I am with you. Just look. Just listen. Just feel my presence. I know that there's other followers of Jesus out there watching today. So I will ask you the same question I asked myself. As a follower of Jesus, what do you do with difficulty? How do you handle difficulty? What's your response? What's your response when you're faced with giants? What's our response? Here's what should be our response. We believe in the power that is within us. We believe in the gift that has been given us, the person of the Holy Spirit. Our response should be to remember that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and that he's been given so that we might walk in power. So that we might be courageous, fearless even. And so that we might be bold. Followers of Jesus, I'm I'm talking to you right now. Our response better be different than all the panic and all the fear that we're hearing. These are uncharted waters. I get it. And sometimes our reaction is not faith, it's fear. But we better bounce back to that place of faith. We better bounce back to that place of hope. And we better speak to people and say, my God will carry you through. My God will carry me through. I don't have all the answers and I don't see how everything lines up. But my God, our God, he loves us and he's going to carry us through. got to look around and see who we're with when the world around us is telling us we can't it's okay to disagree and say i beg to differ my god is with me sometimes we look at scripture and we say yeah but that was back then no that was just for back then wrong friends it's not about back then it's about always Because it's about our God. If Jesus says he is always with us, then we should not allow fear. I want to make this point clear. 
God was redundant with Joshua, and I just want to be redundant with this. We are children of the most powerful being in existence. And you know what looks weird? It looks weird when we're scared. It does. We're, we're kids of the king. We're kids of the most powerful being in existence. And it just looks off when we're scared. Run to him and find faith. So here's the problem. I, I know this is the problem with me, and I, I guess I'm assuming it might be the problem with you as well. We're measuring wrong. We're measuring ourselves by ourselves. We're measuring ourselves by the circumstance. We're measuring ourselves by the pandemic. We're measuring ourselves by the separation. We're measuring ourselves. We're measuring ourselves wrong. We're supposed to measure ourselves by God. We're supposed to measure ourselves by Jesus Christ. So you remember... Daniel in the lion's den. Do you remember that story? Not just a story. Do you remember that historic retelling? Um, Just a brief recap. Um, The king at the time, he was manipulated by some leaders into making some pretty stupid rules. And those stupid rules were with the intent purpose of shutting down Daniel from praying. Daniel was a godly man and he had been given a lot of authority. He was a governor and, and so... Some men wanted to sabotage that, so they manipulated the king. He made this decree. We're going to pick up in Daniel chapter 6. We're going to read 16 through 23. Daniel 6, 16 through 23. Then the king, this king who's been manipulated, he commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the pit of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. See, what happened is the king didn't want to do what he had to do, but he had made a foolish statement. He had swore by his name. Anyone caught praying to any other God would be thrown into the pit of lions. And so he's very sincere when he's talking to Daniel here. He's not taunting him or, I mean, he's very sincere. May your God, whom I see you praying to all the time, you serve your God continually. May May he deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid at the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and sleep fled from him. Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? And not expecting to hear another voice in response, but there was a response. Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. 
I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the pit. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found in him because he had trusted in his God. The people that manipulated the king, the families of the people that manipulated the king, doesn't end so well from them. But you know that, that's a story you know, for another time. Daniel was found blameless because he trusted in God. In the midst of his pit, in the midst of his life-threatening circumstance, truly life-threatening, he trusted in God. What does that mean? He believed. See, we all have a measure of trust that we've, we've been given. We all have trust, if you will. And let's pretend like it's right here in my hands. And this is not for us to hold on to. This is to give to God. Lord, I place my trust in you. There's another story in Daniel about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I'm just going to recap quickly. Gosh, here's what I want y'all to do. I want y'all to read Daniel 3, 16 through 26. Ah, you know what? We're going to read it. We're going to read it. It's long. We're going for it. Dig in. Daniel 3, 13 through 26. The Nebuchadnezzar in furious rage commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? These three young men immediately responded to the king and said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Uh, by the way, I, this is awesome. I mean, just come on. This is, this, these dudes are hardcore. This is awesome. We have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, even though it had never been done before. Do we, get, do we understand that? It's never been done before. Talk about an unprecedented circumstance. There's no record of God ever delivering anybody out of the fiery furnace, this torturous thing. He will deliver us out of your hand, O king. And I love this. Gosh, I love this. But if not, even if he doesn't, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods. We will not worship the golden image that you have set up. Then, Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury. Understatement. And the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. And these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. They were thrown into the pit of, of flame. 
because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those mighty men who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, didn't we throw three men tied up into the fire? They answered and said to the king, "Uh, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men unbound, unbound, walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door, near, I don't know, what's near to the door? What's near to the door? Three dudes have already died because of how hot this is. Near could be like 25 yards. I, I don't know. Came near to the door. Uh, and he declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. Thrown into the fire. But Jesus appears and he says, hey, let me, let me give you a hand. And they're, they're bound. And so they, they probably, I could, I could see them doing this. Reaching up, like, because they were just bound but they're not bound in these are free men in the presence of God, set free, saved, delivered. I want to read the scripture from Revelation where it talks about the promise of what's given to us if we will run to Jesus, if we will will believe and trust in Jesus. Revelation 21, four through eight says he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne, seated on the throne, Jesus said, behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. To one who conquers will have this heritage. The one who conquers will have this heritage. These things I just listed and I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Friends, if we have trusted in Jesus and we believe in Jesus, this should startle us a little bit. That the cowardly and the faithless are mentioned in the same breath as the detestable and the murderers. The pit is a place of making conquerors. Daniel walked into the pit of lions 
But you know what walked out of that pit? A man who by the power of God conquered lions. Daniel walked in. A legend walked out. Daniel, the man who slept with lions, played with lions, had a, had a sleepover, had a slumber party with lions, came out unscathed. Imagine the people that, that wanted to talk and hear this story and imagine his response of saying, oh, not by might, not by power, but by the spirit of my God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the pit of fire. But you know what happened in that pit? Jesus met them there. He met them there. He freed them there. He liberated them there. He stood beside them there. Jesus said, stand up. I'm standing beside you. He's saying the same thing to us for whatever pit we are in. I'm beside you. I stand with you now and I stand with you always. Who walked out of that pit of fire? Conquerors. Unharmed. They didn't even smell like smoke. Completely unharmed because they were in the presence of God. Right now, you might be in a pit. Maybe, maybe you're in the pit of a broken marriage. Maybe you walked into that pit as a man, as a woman, afraid and unequipped, without answers and without hope. But I'm telling you, if you'll run to Jesus, if you'll trust Jesus, if you'll respond to Jesus, if you'll trust him enough to obey him, if you'll love him enough to obey him and call out to him and respond to what he's asking you to do. You can walk out of that pit a conqueror. You can walk out of that pit with a marriage that's loving and whole. Right now you might be in a pit of failure. You might be in a pit of sin. But if you will ask Jesus to change your heart, to give you a new heart, to change your mind, to let you know what he wants, and then to respond and change your mind according to what Jesus is asking of you. I'm letting you right now, you can walk out of that pit as a conqueror. from that pit of failure, victorious. You can walk from that pit of sin as forgiven with his grace defining your life. If you find yourself in a pit of any sort, I'm just letting you know if you will call upon the name of the Lord, if you'll call Jesus, Jesus, heal me, Jesus, save me, Jesus, change me. Jesus, help me. He will rush to your side. If you've never done it before, he will rush to your side and he'll say, I am here. 
stand. And you can emerge a conqueror. But I need you to understand this. I need you to understand this well. You don't become a conqueror just by going into a pit. You don't become a conqueror just by facing adversity. You become a conqueror by calling out to Jesus and letting him shut the mouth of the lions, letting him guard you from the harmful effects of the flame, letting him do the work, letting him still the storm and the seas and the wind and the skies to the point where you'll be amazed saying, even the skies obey him, even the seas obey him. I have to remind you of something very important. Most pits, most pits aren't short. The time spent in these pits mostly is not short. For Daniel, it was an overnight stay. For Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it was minutes, maybe an hour. I, we don't know. It was their time in the pit was short. But then we see in Scripture, we see Joseph. Joseph was a 17-year-old boy, young man. He was handsome. He was talented. He loved God. He was favored. His, his dad loved him. And the pit that he was thrown into was the pit of betrayal, the pit of jealousy, the pit of resentment, the, the pit of abandonment. Some of us have been in these pits. And if we have, we know that those aren't short pits. And it wasn't for Joseph either. He was 17. And we know for the next 13 years, we know that, it, that he was in Potter. He was sold into slavery. His brothers are the ones who betrayed him. His brothers threw him into a pit. They wanted to kill him. They settled upon just selling him into slavery. They wanted to kill him. He was sold into slavery. He spent, let's just call it 11 years in Potiphar's house. There he was falsely accused of something he didn't do. He was righteous and noble. He was falsely accused. He was thrown into jail. Two years. So at 13 years, we know he was 17. So at the age of 30, he was elevated to a place of honor. He was removed from shackles. He was removed from, from bondage. But even then, he still had to walk out this pit. If, if, you, if you read Genesis 37, you can probably skip 38 for the sake of this story. 39, 40, and just keep on reading about Joseph. Even though he was in freedom and even though he was promoted and even though the favor of God was upon him, we see him crying all the time. We see his heart heavy all the time, but we see him believing the entire time. We see hope restored in his life. It's in Genesis 41 that we see that Joseph was 30 when this happened. And he was about 39 years old when his brothers, the same brothers that had betrayed him, show up in Egypt. They don't recognize him. They think he's 
dead or in slavery somewhere. They don't recognize that he is this ruler, this honored man now. There's a couple visits back and forth. You'll have to read. Uh, I encourage you guys to all read this story. It was about 41. When he was about 41, was when the brothers came back a second time and that he truly experienced just freedom in his soul. He experienced um, unification with his brothers, but here's what's key. He forgave them. He forgave them. He blessed them. He saw his father once again. He saw his younger brother. He was instrumental in in his father's last years. He, He lived it with his family. I recap that just to say, most of us don't have the luxury of an overnight pit. Most of us don't have the luxury of of a 60-minute hurt or offense or wound. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do in this pit? What are we going to do with this hurt? What are we going to do with this betrayal? What are we going to do with this abandonment? What are we going to do? What's our response going to be to this difficulty? We run to Jesus. We call out to Jesus. In the book of Romans, chapter 10, it says, everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. If you're in a pit, you need to be saved. If I'm in a pit, I need to be saved. I want to be saved. I want to be liberated. And I want to see that Jesus is beside me. So I call out Jesus. And I'm reminded that he's there. I want to pray for us right now. I don't know the pit you're in. but I know the God that's standing beside you. I know the God who said he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us, but we just lose track because we are measuring something else instead of our God. I I just want to pray for you. If you could just posture your, your, if it's open hands, that's great. But here's what I really want is open hearts as I pray for you. Lord, you know the pit that every listener, every viewer of of these words is in right now. And Lord, if they're not in a pit, I I give you thanks for that. But Lord, we've either, we're either in a pit, we've been in a pit, or we're going to be in a pit. That's life. Lord, I pray that every listener would run to you, that every heart would trust in you. That every mouth would call out your name and be comforted by your presence. Lord, you're with us. And we know we're not going to, Lord, we're not going to die in this situation because you are with us, Lord. So we call out to you and we set our hearts to a place of trust. Where there was fear, right now we say fear be gone. And Lord, instead, just fill our hearts with faith. Lord, we, we have doubts. We don't know, Lord. But you know. So we just set our ears to listen to you, to your wisdom, to your instruction, or maybe even to your to your song. Maybe it's a lullaby to us telling us, rest, my child. 
Rest, rest in me. We just set our hearts to hear your words and not all the chatter, all the distraction, all the panic. Lord, we declare that the threat of the lion is nothing in your presence. Lord, we declare the threat of the giants in the land are nothing compared to you. Lord, we don't fear the fire because you said you're with us. So Holy Spirit, just comfort hearts right now. In Jesus' name, amen.